Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the ANF podcast on the ANF network with me, Scott Casson and Emma Alcotts. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm really well, actually. I am. I don't know why, because it's the first week of the holidays and uh, everything's fine. We, we've still gone to a one oh, child situation. A bit weird. Just hearing that, it's the first week of the holidays. I remember those days. <laughs> Eight weeks ago. <laughs> and we've still got another four to go. How anyone's left alive at the end of the summer holidays in Ireland amazes me. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm horrified at myself, actually. But to be fair, I think because, well, he's, it's his birthday tomorrow, actually, 17 tomorrow. Oh. Um, I think he's quite independent. So he gets in the bus, goes into town during the day and, and you know, comes back in the evenings and stuff like that. So, like, you know, during the day, he keeps himself occupied. It's not like he's around our feet or anything. And we're at work as well. So, yeah. I, I it's mean, probably I the first just... year it's been like this. Well, yeah, and I, and I was thinking, I think back like five, six years when the the little ones were, well, the big ones now, but little ones were like 11, 10, mm-hmm. 12, 13, that sort of age, and just the absolute every day by the skin of your teeth, what we're going to do today, how we're going <laughs> to keep, how we're going to keep the peace today. And uh, yeah. just now, like, um, what's her face? She just hot us on. <laughs> what's her face? <laughs> And to be fair, so this is the summer where they they do that growth thing, isn't it? This is the summer going to high school. They My they life. end year six, and then they go to high school, and they're like different people. They're like devils possessed, and they've grown, and they're all that sort oh. of stuff. Yeah, she's about three foot taller already. She's um, she went to the shops, which like she's like a she's like a girl, you know, she's like a girl came back a teenager, like she's bought oh, clothes, she... and I found her putting makeup on. Which not she's not allowed to put makeup on, but it was like. She's like being so not interested. And all of a sudden she's interested. And you go, oh, well, yeah. fair enough. It does make you wonder what goes through their heads in that transition between primary school and high school, doesn't it? And how much they worry and don't say or what, you know, what the, you know. Oh, the, well, yeah. again, with the two other ones, it was like, it was massive every day. It was like, it was simmering. And um, uh, what's her face? I, said, I should give her a name. Um, she, well, she... <laughs> I said to her, are you stressed about this? Like weeks and weeks ago. And I said, what are you thinking? You know, a nice, like proper social worky dad sort of chat. Yeah. And she went, no, I'm not bothered. And I went and I thought, oh, well, you know, and it was like, I, I tried. And she's like, just not bothered. She's not worried, really? not phased at all about it. And um, a little bit of butterflies, but they had a few transition days, but it is butterfly level. It's not, ang- it's not stress, anxiety level. It's just like, oh, this is how other people live. This is like, yeah. I've seen, I've seen this on the telly. It's yes. not living. Yeah, this, this, wow. Lucky you. Lucky me. Any, anyway. Mm. So um, we had a podcast uh, actually quite a few weeks ago, which was, um, what was it, 12 weeks ago? It was like May. We recorded a podcast with um, Paul Shuttleworth, Dr. Paul. Dr. Paul, if you listen, that'll become Paul, important. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember we had a right laugh. And um, so we're going to, just put that on because I think that it stands alone. And it's linked to the the book, um, The Future of Children's Care, which has been released uh, last week or so. People can go on out and buy that wherever, um, Amazon or I think it's Policy Press. Um, I do have a little caveat to the thing. It's a bit sweary. Um, actually, Scott, it, you're a bit sweary. Am I? Was yeah, I? Yeah. Yes, you were. Really? <clears throat> yeah, well, it's, it's so long ago, I've forgotten what we talked about. Well, I'm, I, I was just thinking, because I can't believe it was May that we did it. That's the first I, thing. 
Yeah. And um, and I can barely remember what I did earlier today. So, <laughs> however, I do I do know that when we have Doctor Paul on, um, that we do actually have quite a laugh. It was a laugh. Um, yeah, and I I I actually, do you know what? He's probably the first person I've ever spoke to who I don't always agree with. Um, but actually, he's just a genuinely nice bloke. And when I say don't agree with him, I'm talking about. Um, so we we had this conversation when we first. Where the very have you first been living? What you- I know. No, no, no. Listen, listen. It's not. So is not- that how you characterise all people you don't agree with as bad people? No, not saying that. But um, we, Paul and I talked about the um, the identifying as gay or queer and all that sort of stuff on the very first podcast. That oh we yes, did with them. yes, that was a while. Um, and um, it's interesting because he sent me a few links to to stuff, and I've read them, and I've been like, "Yep, yeah, still, I'm still very mm-hmm. much, you know, comfortable identifying as I don't identify." And if you want to identify something else, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so often that people kind of go, "Well, this is how I identify, and I'm not good," you know, and you're you're not a yeah, good yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Blah. Nah, because he's just a nice nice guy. So. He does him, I do me. It's all good, and I love talk, love talking to him. Actually, he's a really, really genuinely nice person. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I with a great I, sense of humor. Well, yeah, it's very good sense. And I re-listened mm. back, and actually, some it is really good. So it it does talk a lot about kinship arrangements and kinship and some of the, but it focuses in on the challenges of the the McAllister review in terms of how it approaches kinship. It talks a lot about the, the presumptions we make about kinship, the lack of research. And um, you were, if you, you probably can't remember, your wife, remember, you got quite passionate about class. Um, <laughs> yeah, you swore twice. So I've, to, I've had to put an explicit on. Um, the other thing was at the very end of the interview, um, Paul, um, we've got into, we've talked about Josh McAllister and we can safely say that Josh and uh, uh, Paul are not drinking partners. No. They're not. No, they're, that's fair. Um, so we we chatted about that and um there's a there's a comment at the end about whether Josh McAllister's political or not. And um when we first recorded it, um Paul said Paul listened back and said, actually I feel like I maybe was a bit too strong on that point. Um mm. and then it so we we snipped it out and then we've put it on the shelf. And then as if by magic, things have transpired in terms of Josh McAllister. I don't know whether you've been aware, but he's been he's been nominated to be a Labour MP for a constituency in the north kind of a safe labor house but it's been really quite controversial because two of the applicants pulled out about the way that non-people were nominated so he's actually turned out to be incredibly political so oh was right oh no i haven't heard that because i don't live in the uk partially um but secondly you clearly didn't tell me this um and I, it was interesting because um and obviously i couldn't watch it um because i didn't catch it at the time but the the Joel Swash documentary that was on the BBC. He was in that. He, Joel Swash interviewed Josh McAllister. I don't know if you saw that, did you? I didn't. I saw the interview. I saw the thing, but I didn't yeah. realize Josh McAllister had got himself into that as well. Yeah. Some of the comments around it were quite interesting. But anyway, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> well, it, it does provoke feelings. Um, so that's Josh <laughs> McAllister, and we're going to get him on. And I have to say, right, so yesterday, just... um. I a long story short, but someone I got in touch with someone, or they got in touch with me, and we kind of said, "Hey, I'd be, really like to talk to you, a psychosexual counselor." Mm. So, right, this is me adulting, so I'm not going to do. I'm going to. I'm resisting the 14 year old boy in me who wants to be go for now for now. What's all that about? And um, 
because I am an adult sometimes I think how did you get to be an adult how did that happen but what I found fascinating she was talking a lot about the impact of early adversity and trauma on people and how that then can play out in relationships mm. and I thought that would be an excellent topic or an excellent subject or an excellent person to get on the podcast because I think that is something that as the adoptive parents as foster carers we see challenges in relationships for young people as they move into our young adulthood yeah but I thought that would be a really fascinating conversation. So she's going to come on. Um, and it will be, as long as we can work out what the meaning of her title is. Because what did you say it was? A psychosexual? Oh, yeah. Psychosexual? So that sounds wrong. <laughs> well, we'll talk to her and you'll see that it's not wrong at all. Um, yeah, so we I had a conversation with her. But anyway, we'll, that, that's something just trailing that that's coming up. We've got Avery Bows that are on in a few weeks as well. We can talk about um, the future of adoption. That's really interesting. Um, and I guess uh, on this is coming out on Saturday, so on next week as well, or the week coming up, if you're listening now, we'll have the Better Me, Better You podcast coming on as well, mm. which uh, our friends, Vicky and Haley, which is all very exciting. Is it not Better, it not better Me, Better Us? I genuinely don't know. <laughs> oh my god, man! You're host. We're hosting these uh, extra podcasts. You don't even know their names. I'm sure it's better me, better us. Yeah, I'm yeah. You, said, you said better me, better you, but whatever, you know. All right, better. See, us. this is honestly. I slagged you off yesterday on Twitter because you slagged me off, <laughs> and I slagged you off about your marketing, and this is proof. This is absolute proof that you are rubbish, man. Rubbish. I'm so sorry, Vicky uh, and Haley. I just apologise for being me. Yeah, I've given them a, a, a virtual slap around the face for that because um, obviously yeah. not in the same room. But anyway, yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, well, well, on that note, I think we should put on the podcast, yeah. uh, put on the interview, and we'll crack on. So, Bon Jovi. Anchovy. So today we're speaking to Dr. Paul Shuttleworth, who has very kindly uh, put himself forward to come on the podcast. Again. <laughs> and you still again. don't have to call me doctor, just to say that. So again. Yeah. Actually, I prefer now, I tell you what now, I think I prefer um, Paul Shuttleworth, PhD, because I think that sounds a little less, um, what's the word? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Vulgar. Oh. I was going for vulgar. <laughs> vulgar, oh. Oh, how very gauche. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Dr. Paul. Um, <laughs> you line them uh, up. To be fair, you need down. to rewind a little bit because Paul has been on before. Yes. Yes. And, and some people may not have listened to that episode because obviously it was, I think it was live we did, wasn't it? Um, it was, yes. Yeah. So it was yeah. midweek. We did live and it came out maybe the Thursday or the Friday. So some people yeah. in the routine of podcasts may yes. not have heard it, but you have been on before. And and so, you're yeah, very do you have? Back. Do you normally have people back? Or... Yeah, the ones that are well, yeah, you could have lied. Stupid said, said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we um, tend to call like, people that come back friends of the show. Oh, okay, brilliant. Yeah, so you're yeah. you are now officially a friend of the show. That's it. Yeah, congratulations. Um, yeah. So the first time you came on, you were talking about I think the voices of children who find themselves in kinship arrangements. Correct. Yeah. Um, which was a fantastic, and I recommend people go back and listen to that because I think it was, again, just this idea of this unique perspective or just voices that we're not listening to or should listen to. But today you're coming on because you've written a book that is um, that is coming out or is about to come out or has just come out because we're recording this in advance. So tell us a little bit about this book, what it's about and why you're 
why you got to write in it. <laughs> well, it's um, it's a chapter in a book. I haven't written the whole book, but I am actually. So I've I've been awarded a um, a postdoc, which is amazing. Um, and I am actually writing a book about kinship care, but that's out in. 2024 that's happened so that's all my book but i've actually written a chapter in this book and it's a book um the editors are uh robin sen and christian care and it's called the future of children's care so it's critical perspective on children's services reform it's just basically looking at policy it's kind of a policy book but it's got critical radical social work let's step out and it's all kind of on the back of the McAllister review oh. so it's yeah so it's kind of uh yeah it's it's it, it has a cast a critical eye shall we say over the McAllister review it's very good honestly yeah um, I mean and I, how know did I... I know Christian I know Christian because Christian lives close to me and um we're in the same Baswa branch, so we get together and we uh, we occasionally have a curry together on Baswa funds. Can I say that? No. <laughs> you just did. All right. Oh, well, uh, then we don't get together and it's not Baswa funds. Right? So you, that's, you, that's, network. Yeah. you network. You network. We talk about that. stuff. That's sort of yeah, work sure. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm very official, Robin as well. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very official. Yeah. We wear our social work uniforms. Um, yeah. And they have, they're kind of... Um, they're positioned quite clearly as people who are kind of not critical for the sake of being critical, but people who are trying to kind of think differently, trying to kind of like push forwards how we think about different issues around social care, yeah. social work, and that kind of stuff. So you've written a chapter in terms of kinship care, and um, you've kindly let us read it before it's been issued. So tell us a little bit about why you and what kind of what's your take on all of this thing? Um, why me? I'm not too sure um, because you've got in the in the book you've got kind of um, Caroline Willow, um, Article Thirty Nine. You've got people like Joe Hanley. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, people like Avery Browser. You've got John John Rideau. Yeah. 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 Friend yeah, of the show. Yeah. Friend of the show. There you go. Oh, yeah. He's been on once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll let him know that. <laughs> uh, Rid Featherstone, Anna Gupta. You've got yeah. all these amazing people. Amazing. And then you've got Massive me. names in there. Like yeah, massive yeah, names yeah. for us and, and you know, in yes. this kind of world yeah, yeah, that we yeah. live in. Yeah. And, and I guess what the was, have they? Yeah. They're not friends though, are they? No, not of the show. <laughs> Bridget twice. So yeah. Oh. Oh Bridget is, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> So they, this, so, is, this is a terrible interview. I'm sorry, but you've been doing really sensible interviews with really sensible people. So I'm really have, sorry that we're yes. just ruining everything. No, it's fine. Really it's sorry. fine. I'm, it's absolutely fine. Push through. Yeah, I've been, I've been a, bit, a bit of a podcast whore, as it were. But yes. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so all of these great names. And I guess what brought us together is that we kind of, we were quite critical in terms of the review. And we're quite critical in terms of critical social work. So that's kind of critical thinking in terms of Marxist terms, in terms of stepping outside of um, just policy for the sake of policy, next steps, and placing things in social, historical, political kind of perspectives. So wider perspectives, thinking about inequality, poverty, all of those really, really important yeah. things. Um, and I guess we all held quite strong views about um, the review and they weren't really heard as much as they should have been which is really really sad because actually what we really wanted from the review yeah. was to include all voices including very critical voices 
and the less critical, you know, everyone should be included. And that didn't happen. So I guess what happened was we decided, well, you know what, we will write a book. And actually that book, I would say, and I've, I've read through it, is probably better, even better evidence. Um, it's got better research in it <laughs> than, the, um, than the review. So there you go. Well, and well, give me, the title, give me the title of the book, then people can find it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get free copies. But you know that only seems reasonable. Um, but if not, no, you're shaking your head. No way. Did you not read that email? He actually said you need to go and buy it. So you're not going to buy a copy. Yeah. yeah. Ben's he, and I won't be buying it. But only because. Oh. Only because. <laughs> right, do you know what? This is over. I'm, I'm gone, I'm gone. See you later. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Can I just can I just clarify for <laughs> listeners? I wouldn't buy it because it's not. It, uh, I've I've read a chapter, but being neurodivergent, it just yeah, it just glazed over. And and like Al said, if it's a scratch and sniff, when you're doing the children's version, feel do feel free to run it past me, and I'll be. More, to be fair, we've talked about this loads of times before about me and books. I just don't get on the books. So, and, and, but, but I think it's a really important point, and I know from kind of getting my research out there and publishing my research that um, academia likes, you know, get I get reviewers kind of saying, actually, you need to make that a bit more academic in terms mm. of its language, make it a little bit more, a little bit less accessible for kind of <laughs> practitioners. For the that for yeah. the people that actually really should be reading it, yeah, uh, we need absolutely. to make, we need to make it less accessible for them, yeah. so that so that they they're not re research informed, and all of the social work practice has to be research informed. And I think yeah. this is taken away from the book, but I think as somebody who um, is really into accessibility for for everybody, you know, with the the kind of work I do in terms of okay, you the hidden disabilities, <laughs> yeah. Simpler, um, that that's a big thing. That is a massive big yes. thing, and I think that actually it would take somebody like you guys to actually say, "Yeah, do you know what? Bollocks to you all. We're going to write it in an easily accessible yeah, but, format." Yeah, we can't do that because no, we exactly. want to get. We need to get published, and we need to, yeah. you know, get jobs and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. What we can do, and what I've been doing, is finding other ways. So using podcasts, um, yes. using YouTube, um, writing something alongside. Um, alongside kids um as a practice guide you know yeah. just everything yeah. kind of broken well, down thank, in different mediums in different yeah. ways thank you for well, doing that because because there are yeah. people who would like to know this information but just well, in your defense it's not written as a it's kind of that middle ground it's not like it's not like a article in a journal which is like just hyper academic it is written as in no. a book format and it so it doesn't feel wholly inaccessible yeah. and i kind of yeah, went through you. it pretty quickly and it, you know, you can cut the chase with it. It's not, you know, it's not up its own backside. So, you know, that was, Thanks. so yeah, well, yeah, thought I'd better say that to try and keep you in suite with the publishers, honestly, man. Yeah. I tell you, you need to go on some media training. Yeah, no, I've had, I've had media training from Bessa. So, yeah. You broke the media training. I need to, I need to try it. I need to, I need to get my head into the thing. Um, so when I was working with, uh, yeah, Bessa, um, yeah. It, 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 you know, accessibility is a, is a thing, isn't it? Really, really, yeah, but it's interesting you say about being critical of the review and stuff. I mean, this is aside from the book, sorry, mm. but being critical, critical mm. can that, does that have an effect on day-to-day -day job or is it actually of benefit to the day-to-day -day job? Because I always imagine like Al goes all, you know, sitting on the fence on that one because I'm a social worker and I can't say too much about that. I mean, is that... Is that right or is that just, you know? 
like you can if if it's positively critical as in it, it's you know it wants more for the people who are affected by the work that you do is that a good thing or is it is it a not so good thing in terms of your day-to-day -day? what do you think Al? he asked the question to you I think <laughs> yeah. that... This is. I want to hear your your answer first because I'm is, quite interested. In this is before you get into trouble. This is a good well, podcast. I'll have you know. This Thank is a you good very podcast. much. Um, I thought about this a long time ago, and I thought I'm never going to work in statutory services. And I'm the the way and the place I work is it's unlikely I'll ever have an interview again. So I thought if they try and get me through, if you know when I presume when you go to work for an organisation, they'll do. I'll oh, just do a little media search on this person. And if they did that for me, they would like literally break the individual who was doing it because I'm just everywhere. I'm like dog muck. Get everywhere. Um, but I think I'm happy to say anything as long as I can defend it. Yes. Okay. But, One of the sole, sole purposes of social work is not just individual change, it's societal change. It's yes. up to us. And actually, this book is really good in terms of the very end. It talks about, you know, disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. That's what we should be doing. We should shape, be shaking, shaking things up. We should be challenging the system we're in. It should be dissent all the time. Dissent, dissent, dissent. All of these things. Because policy makers need to start listening to actually people that yes. are working in the system and yes. people that are uh, families and children. Much better than they're doing rather than, you know, non-social worker policy makers coming up with these big ideas yeah. um, and enforcing them, pushing them on us. Yeah. And then what they do as well is that they not only do that, they kind of suppress, oppress workers, oppress, you know, working conditions mm. are, are shocking, absolutely shocking. And we should all be standing up and saying, this is not okay. Absolutely. And that's our duty to do that because it's not okay, not just for children and families. And, and I know that we can get really emotive about that, about, but actually think about us as workers. It's not okay that it affects our mental health. It's not okay that there was um, something that came out uh, from a guy, oh, what was his name? Uh, last last year, let me just think. Don't worry about it. Make it up. Just get an idea. There's a guy that um, he came out last year, and he he was talking about um, it's a guy called some, something Murphy, um, C Murphy, 2022. There you go. But he was talking about um, how. Social workers are the targets of threats, they're targets of intimidation, um, and it's a huge cost to their, their personal relationships, a huge cost to their health. Um, and we're stuck in this thing, and then we get blamed. We get blamed for leaving because we're not strong enough, because at the end of the day, we don't have, you know, we don't have it in us to, to carry on and, and all of this kind of stuff. But we're not stupid. You know, why should we be putting ourselves in that position every day, all the time? And so we need to change the system. And the way to change the system is not to say, oh, well, social workers need to be better trained so that they can deal with it. No, we need to change to make sure our workforce yeah. is better supported, better funded, and that it's not having a detrimental effect on us and our families. I mean, mm. so, yes, I don't have a problem with saying that. And actually, I think yeah. it's the duty of social workers to say things like that. And that's what we should be doing. I mean, that's fascinating because I... Oh, I like the is it the North American Association of Social Workers, their code of ethics. And right, I can't remember the, which number it is, but it kind of states there really clearly that a social worker, one of our core duties, our core roles is to challenge injustice and oppression. And then it right. says, regardless of whether it's in the people you work with, 
with, with whether it's your local authority, but wherever it is, if it's on the micro level or the macro level, that's your job. And I think so few social workers are afforded that opportunity and they're kind of kept in this machine that keeps them running so fast. They've got no energy yeah. for anything else. And, and I mean, we talked about this. So Sarah and I, um, so Sarah and I do, a, my friend Sarah and I do a podcast called um, Do You Do Social Work? Oh, hang on, hang on. You can't oh, hello, on hello, 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 hello. Yeah, yeah. And it's much better Whoa. than this. No, I'm just thinking. Bold and brave. No, so we do we do a social we do a social work podcast and we were talking for um World Social Work Day because it was all about social justice, wasn't it? Yeah. And we were talking about that, how we should be doing this. And I, you know, as you can see, I get very passionate about it. Um and Sarah was making a point, which is really, really useful. A good point is that actually new workers don't want to rock the boat because they want to have some job yeah. security. Mm. We know that for minoritized ethnic um uh, workers as well, for black and minoritized ethnic work- workers that they are more likely, unfairly, by the way, to be taken, um, to have complaints made about them to Social Work England. So they're less likely to speak up, you know. So actually, the more oppressed you are within your work, the less likely to speak up. And we're seeing this again and again, is that, as I keep saying, I will always say, social workers are being oppressed and suppressed in their workplace. And it's not good enough. We need to be standing up for it. I think that the majority of the listeners would probably agree with that in terms of mm-hmm. you know, their understanding of that. And also, you know, as as potentially new parents or new foster carers, you would be less likely to challenge what you didn't have the confidence to challenge because yeah. you'd be too scared. You know, yeah. you'd, be, you'd mm-hmm. be frightened to lose a child because you're challenging. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that that's kind of, you know, there's different levels to it, but I think that broadly it's, it's the same, isn't it? If you're new to something, that you'll be less likely to challenge. But actually, new pairs of eyes sometimes can be, you know, clearly. Well, and that's really important, isn't it? Is that you know, people that've been in the job for a long time. This is what I tell me tell the students um, is that you know, you can have um, someone that's been in the job for twenty years and doesn't do that reflection, that necessary reflection, thinking about you know, personal values professional values, how these things mix up, all that kind of stuff. Um, um, And they don't do that. And then you have a new social worker that's fresh, that has these ideas, brings something new, brings their new experiences Mm. to the work, but also they're doing that reflecting thing constantly. Absolutely. And they will be better social workers. I will say this on tape. They will be better social workers than social workers that have been 20 years in and don't reflect. Yeah. You know, reflection is key no matter what stage of your career you're in. It has yeah. to be done. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to love when, because we as a family, I was counting up recently. We've got, I had over 25 different social workers and social care professionals through the house, just as a matter of course, not all, you know, just routine, a lot of it. Um, and the ones that were just the most awesome were the ones that were six months off retirement. Mm. They were just absolute, like, they just... It felt like the shackles were off and they were allowed to speak with absolute <laughs> clarity. And yeah, um, and were, and didn't mind like going and you know putting paint stripper on the CEO's front bonnet or something. Um, but they were kind of they were, they were happy to they, were, actually, they weren't. But there was a sense of like, well, I'm just gonna kick up a fuss because what can they do? What you know, I can speak exactly what I actually think. I can make I can make this case get just put it to the top of the pile because it needs to be at the top of the pile in a way that perhaps they hadn't felt that way, like you say it at that midpoint in their career, 20 years in, 
10 years to retirement. Yeah. A bit and we're, 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 yeah, we're told we have to accept things as they are, you know, and we're told what to accept. And I suppose coming back to the chapter <laughs> that I'm meant to be talking about. Oh, God, <laughs> Sorry. What <laughs> <laughs> about you, Paul? <laughs> but we're told we're t- we're told all these things that actually this is the bedrock of of what your practice should be, and it's very much you know trying to get rid of Gove, for example, was saying many many years ago. You know, social workers think too much about things like poverty and social injustice. They just need to be getting on and doing that job, don't they? That's what they need to be doing. Yeah. Stop thinking too much. We shouldn't be teaching them all of this fancy smancy sociology stuff and all of that kind of stuff. And then took um, another line of coke, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then the... <laughs> we don't know he did that. Oh, and we don't know that he was dancing with Lisa and Andy. Uh, so <laughs> what happened was that he, uh, <laughs> what happened is that we get told these kind of assumptions and these myths and they become the bedrock of, of our practice. And that's certainly true for kinship care. And that's what I was really tired mm-hmm. of. You know, I've, I've been researching kinship care for a while now. Um, and and there's these kind of myths that you know we, we shouldn't involve social work uh, unless we really have to because social work all social workers are you know bad and all of that kind of stuff. You see that on the in the McAllister report, the first bit of the opening bit, wasn't it, of the case for changes? Isn't it terrible that this many children have had di- this many social workers? Is it terrible? Is it terrible that this many children have had had have had state support, have been supported by the mm. state when necessary? Why is that terrible? Um, oh, yeah. We also get, right, we also kind of get these kind of uh, myths about you know that there's less risk in kinship care. Kinship care as a thing in itself will provide better outcomes. It's it's a direct alternative fostering adoption. All of these kind of myths, and whilst whilst they sound you know yeah 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 absolutely no I, I agree with those. If you start stripping them back, first of all they're based on unresolved debates within kinship care circles yeah. and secondly they're not particularly well evidenced actually they're done by non-peer reviewed um non-peer reviewed uh, reviews um and evaluations um and i can tell you when you publish a an article what you will see is that the uh, reviewers come back and they say no 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 you need to have this in there you need to have this balance no that's not correct it's a really strict process and and that wasn't in there. That wasn't in the, yeah. in, in those things. But I really liked your report because it sort of it, it starts with the, oh, it's in your chapter. Sorry, it starts with kind of the assumptions that we all make. And you you know I read through them. You know it's better for it's a better for the responsibility and care of children to be positioned within families. Yeah, well, every, and we all go yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it's like these um, kinship care should be recognised as a permanent solution as a direct alternative to non kinship care. Um, children in um, better outcomes. Um, it's an untapped resource. And then as the chapter sort of unfolds, you kind of come to this point where you go, well, maybe, yeah, but maybe no. We can't, yeah. we need, you know, so is the, are you sort of in the midst of all that making a case for actually we need much more rigorous and longitudinal studies to say, what are the outcomes for these children? Because we're still only, what, are we 10, 12 years into the whole special guardianship? Yeah. I'm not going to say experiment, but I mean it's saying something. When my my research was one of the um, one of the only research uh, res- pieces of research that looked at explicitly and solely at the views of children, and used theorized and theorized alongside children 
into what kinship care, what family life actually means. Because normally what we do with kinship care, we treat it as a service. We treat it as an alternative service to fostering adoption, which is why I break down that particular thing. Because actually, if we treat things as an alternative to fostering and adoption, first of all, we know it's not because fostering adoption is basically usually done on um, on. Well, there's debates within fostering adoption, whether it's kind of substitute care. You're taking children from the bad, the bad families and giving it to the good families. And Mm. and you shouldn't you shouldn't be, you know, many, many. Well, not that many years ago, 20 years ago. There was this whole idea that once a child had gone to a, a new home, they should cut all ties. Now we're we're beyond that now. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because we know that just because <laughs> someone's not present in their lives doesn't mean that they're not present psychologically within their lives. So we yeah. know that there has to be that some kind of safe connection that, that goes on. But that kind of separation thing, that ideal of separation. It doesn't work for kinship care because children get reminded and children will know in terms of continued contact. But even if they don't have continued contact or family time or whatever we want to call it nowadays, what happens is that they will have those connections in terms of family resemblances, in terms of uh, their grandmother saying, you know what, your mum used to slurp spaghetti juice on her chin when she was a child too. All of those little, little Mm. connections, those little reminders. And so it's not the same. And we're doing a disservice to by treating it as the same. It, it doesn't work. And we're basically banging a square peg into a round hole. And we shouldn't mm. be doing it. Mm. And, and what sprung to mind when you were chatting there was about the class system as well. Because, mm. you know, if, we, if you think back um, to what the class has relinquished children, you know, in the 60s, 70s, maybe even as far as on, on the 80s, actually. Um, it was all seen as a middle class thing, that a, a middle class family would, you know, have these children, take them in, adopt them, blah, blah, blah. And in actual fact, had it, do you think it was the case that everybody was tarred with the same brush? So if, if, if a child, say, came from a, a, an unmarried mother, let's say, um, who was, you know, who could have been 19, 20, 21, whatever, you know, however age, do you think it was the case that they just looked at him and went, yeah, well, you know, that that's 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 a child that comes from that stock, so let's break the cycle and and not, you know, not look at the grandparents to, I mean, the grandparents probably wouldn't back then, but you know what I'm trying to say? Is, is, is it a class thing? Because I, I feel like even I was put in the middle class bracket and I don't mm-hmm. feel that I am. Mm-hmm. And, and you are. you are. Yeah, I don't. But I don't feel that I am because actually my parents were very working class. Yeah, like very working class. And it's just so happens that they managed to, they got opportunities that, that actually, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just wondering how much of it is a class thing, you know, when it comes to the, the kinship thing. Because, you know, if we, oh, well, if they're a crap parent, then what's the chances that their parents are crap? Do you know that kind yeah. of thing? That's I mean, definitely. ask ask your ask your friend of the show, uh, Brid, about that. Brid Pelton about that because she what she will do is she, she, she's actually broken that down alongside kind of Anna uh, Gupta and um, and other people. I can't remember who, but um, other people just about actually that there is something going on in terms of class mm, there, yeah. and it's not quite social engineering. It's not quite you know that sinister. Yeah, but there is something going on there. Whether mm. it's you know by 
intent or not it's, it's hopefully not about intent is it yeah. um unless you're completely right-wing kind of you know and and hopefully we don't have too many of them in our you know in our government i, I say that in the oh. <laughs> with, with trepidation <laughs> it is well yeah i mean that ship has sailed um we've burnt our bridges with uh, that business um i do find it fascinating though that we're like you were saying, in terms of kinship care, the lack of actual research. You know, you you talking about your your piece being like a, sort of a standalone. Uh, we spoke mm. to uh, Michelle Natras uh, over yeah, yeah. the last summer. You know, and she's yeah. she's a kinship carer, um, yeah. but she's sort of she's like the first person to do kid research into contact. You know, an yeah. ongoing contact, and you go, wow, this is all of these presumptions based on like a nice feeling that we might be having about it when actually the reality is so different. And um, I was recently did an event for a kinship, a group of kinship carers. And it was just the sense of loss in the room and the palpable sense of trauma within the room was, it was just overwhelming. Uh, mm. Talking to an 82 year old who's caring for an 11 year old with additional needs and you go, oh, mm. what the hell? Mm. That's screwed mm -hmm. up for everyone, isn't it? I mean, she would yeah, do yeah. it again. And she, I asked, you know, she said, oh, I, there's no doubt I would do it again, but. Of course. Yeah. Well, we, you know, yeah. that, that's the point, you know, when, it, when I'm doing an assessment, is, uh, you have people, family members that go, of course I'll do it, you know, no matter what, I'll overcome any barrier to do it. And it's only within, and that's another difficulty with it being based on kind of fostering and adoption kind of ideals is, is that you only have 12 weeks to do this fostering this assessment whereas foster carers get how long do they get they get it's nine months right uh, nine months and uh, doctors how long do they six get six months yep well there you go and so go you know to fit fit this stuff into 12 weeks when they have to deal with really fractious relationships deal with things like guilt as well you know do i feel guilty about um um about ha have i played a part in in the dysfunction yeah. within my family all of that kind of stuff they really have to work through and it's only around kind of um sorry it's only around week four or five when kinship carers are going i'm not sure if i can do this i think it's going to be really really emotionally taxing i think it's going to be mm. practically a bit of a nightmare when as an assessor you will start saying right this is the point where we're at because i think you can do it to get to that point, now that you're at that point, now we can start building real and realistic support around what you need, mm. around what is going to happen, rather than, you know. But it takes time. It takes time for emotion for people to emotionally understand what's going on, but also to really understand in terms of practical support what they will need. So it feels like there's a huge presumption about the people who come forward for kinship care that, like you're saying, when you put it in the contrast of six months for adopters, 12, nine for uh, foster carers, 12 weeks, which is three months effectively. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost as if you're saying, well, all, there's a lot of stuff that's just right, just right. We're just ex presuming that there's an awful lot of stuff that's right. So we're just going to focus in on this really narrow bandwidth in terms of the care you need to give, how that the impact on you as a family, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, and, the, and the difficulty then becomes is, that, you know, what do we do? Do we lower thresholds? No, we can't, we, we can't be doing that. We, we, should we be relying thresholds? These children deserve safe care that will allow them to flourish. You know, in relationships that may be tricky, but the relationships that will ultimately benefit them. 
we should be lowering thresholds saying, well, that'll do, hopefully. Let's cross our fingers. And actually, they're not going to meet fostering fostering standards, so they can't be foster carers. So we'll get rid of that regulation. They're just going to be special guardians, and then we'll just leave them to it. I mean, that's even worse, isn't it? So, you know, ironically, the people that need the support the most are the ones that are not getting the support. Mm. And I think I'd oh. agree with that because I'll tell you for why. I remember when the, the kind of I don't think it was called special special guardianship back when, but I used to sit on a panel for fostering and adoption, and then then the fostering panel became a permanence panel, and we had a lot of what we would now call special guardianship. It probably they probably called it kinship back then. I, I I'm really not sure. I, I can't be hundred percent sure. But what I found on that was that it was a given that whatever happened, if these families were willing to put themselves in the kind of caring parenting role that it would it would be a given it would i mean it shouldn't have in my eyes it shouldn't have come to panel what should have happened mm. was that it should have been looking at what support can we give this family because mm. the way it was seen was if we can convert this to an sgo we can pay them and then off they go into the sunset yeah yeah. And it, it wasn't just family. I mean, we're talking longer term foster care. So people who'd been with foster carers and who were deemed, and I put my fingers in the air when I say this, unadoptable. Mm. So what do we do with them? Because they need to be in long term care. They're flagging red on our system, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it wasn't it wasn't about sport. It was about if we just pay them, yeah, then th what, that's fine. Yeah. What do we do with them? Yeah. You know, awful, absolutely awful, and it, and and it is that thing. You know, when kinship care, it can be. We know that it's the cheaper solution. It's it's great as well. If we, on the surface, you know, let's make these assumptions. This this stuff, on assumptions, we know that you know it seems very reasonable, morally attuned, um, and really highly appealing that children remain within their families. Mm. Um, and also there's less interference from these nasty social workers coming in and telling them what to do and assessing them and monitoring them and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's much better on the face of it um, than fostering an adoption and, and, and social work intervention. But it's missing that the fact that actually these are families. Mm. These are family relationships mm -hmm. that need support. That's what yeah. social work is about it's providing ensuring that children have safe cared for <laughs> environments and enough support that's what it's about is you know and it, it, i think we just miss, miss a trick we really do and and that's what really annoys me about the the McAllister review and this and the direction of policy is what we're doing is we're kind of saying right let's split it up so actually first of all let's split up between child protection and 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 family support you know, there's only going to for that really horrible, hard stuff. We're going to have only have people that have, have had five years worth of experience yeah. doing that child protection stuff. Whenever I'm doing an assessment, whenever I'm supporting someone, if I'm doing a risk assessment, let's say it's a risk assessment, those things you know don't stand alone anymore. Thank goodness. But let's say I was doing one. The only way I could do a successful risk assessment is by ensuring that the right support is there the only way yeah. i can look at what support people need is by finding out what risks are within the family and outside the family and part of those risks are the facts that there are things like poverty institutionalized racism um inequalities all of these kind of that stuff 
So we need to look at the wider picture rather than just saying, oh, we can separate everything out. We can't. And that's not what social workers do. That's not what social workers should be doing. Mm. So, I mean, so so kinship care. Sorry, I'm getting really... all pet up. No, no, it's, it's the <laughs> end of the day. Spicy podcast. Spicy. Yeah. <laughs> angry. Um, no, I'm not just, angry. I'm, spicy. No, no. But I did I write down three words you said, which was dissent, dissent, dissent. <laughs> um, and I think we should call this the dissent episode. It's almost like um, exterminate, exterminate. <laughs> um, yeah. But I was thinking the temptation is when we talk like this in terms of the kinship care and the kind of the lack of, or that that narrow focus or that kind of that, that track of thinking that is quite well accepted, the norms of this is how we think about kinship care. Mm. There's not a grand nefarious plot, is there? You're not. You're not. You're not suggesting that by any means. But do you think it's just a? Am I not? Well, or are you saying that it's a political drive to save money, or an ideology around family is best that overrides sort of? So Robert, Robin talks about thinking. this. In, Robin and Christian talk about this in in the book, and it's called um, a double. Double shuffle, I think it is. I think it might be a dance. I think it's a dance move. So what happens well, is... Uh, they'd know. Having met <laughs> Christian, that makes perfect sense. So, um, I'm Googling that. One... I'm Googling that. Yeah, you, you Google, Google away. So uh, one foot goes Back one way, checking. and then the other foot goes the other way. But they seem to be, you know, part of the same dance, but actually they're going in opposite directions. That's called the double shuffle. Um I can't remember exactly who did what it. it is. You're right. There you go. Yeah. See? Thank you. Congratulations. Dr. Paul comes up Trump. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, this whole idea of actually what we need is we need to ensure that uh, that we, it's very family orientated, you know, and that's good. That's that, We all agree with that, you know, Sh- support should be family orientated. It's all about families in whatever form. And there's, Hopefully now we're recognising there's different types of forms of family. Hopefully we've come that far, at least, um, that it is all about family. But also there's this whole idea that actually there's this kind of slight kind of privatisation, these social enterprises that are popping up here, there and everywhere, um, these not-for-profit kind of um, charities, um, all of this kind of stuff. Um, managerial kind of creeping in, uh, neoliberalism and all of that kind of stuff. So the whole idea that actually these responsibilities lie on either individual workers or individual families. If anything goes wrong, who's to blame? Is either the family or the social worker? Usually both, you know. We don't start thinking, oh, well, maybe it's something to do with the fact that you've been living in austerity for however long. No, 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 no. Let's point the finger over there and whatever. So that's whole kind of neo- neoliberal kind of individualism. Um, and this whole idea, you know, this, there should be at least as least state intervention as possible. And that's what Caroline Willow talks about, the rolling back of children's rights. Not one, no, I, I stand corrected. I think it was twice in the final report where children's rights referred to. Dissenting voices asked them to do um, a, a children's rights kind of uh, checklist, um, hoping that someone else would come along and do that for them. But who was marking the homework? The people that wrote the report. I mean, it's just it's just senseless. 
So although I kind of say, oh no, you know, you might you might say, well, you know, there isn't some nefarious plot. You know, I don't think there's a nefarious plot, but but this is the direction we're traveling in. And actually what we need to do is we need to pause. We need to stop. And we need to say, whoa, wait a minute. Who is the pe- who are the people that are benefiting from the abuse and the gl- neglect of children and benefiting financially, benefiting in terms of careers, benefiting in terms of, I don't know, knighthoods, whatever it may be. Follow the money and just go, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to stop and we need to say, wait a minute. We want these families to benefit. We want workers. We want resources to talk about what Callum Webb talks about. So he talks about actually we can't we focus so much on efficiency with limited resources and actually we should be talking about sufficiency first we need the resources first rather than just saying well this is what you've got see what you can do with it no 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 no. we need to be fighting for properly resourced services so i mean i'm conscious that the reviews run out of time really um what uh, is that yeah exactly well, I mean, um, I, I'm not being funny. Can I just but, yeah. in here, Al? Sorry, because I feel like it's just like a damp squib. It was just, uh, mm. uh, I, I, I don't know. It just feels like they did it because they said they were going to do it and it was this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, right? And now it's done, actually, on reflection. And I do reflect, believe it or not. I might not be, you know, all singing, all dancing, social worky like Al or academia, but I do reflect. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a waste of, space to be honest with you i don't think it has any benefit to the children that we're we've been discussing tonight because i genuinely don't think that's what the outcomes of it were and i think it was just somebody blowing smoke up somebody's a-hole to be able to say well we've done this now <clears throat> and, so and i benefits? agree with you paul it, i don't think that it's it, it didn't last long enough it didn't go wide enough it it just didn't do what a review like that should have done who does it benefit? Who does it benefit at the end of the day? We can see who it's benefited. We can see who it's benefited. Follow the money. <laughs> so what I'm saying. Oh, if we were paid, then I would. <laughs> if we were well, paid to so... do this shit, then oh, <laughs> easy, <Swap>. Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> um, Doctor Paul's got delicate ears. Um, so when you say that, follow the money. I mean, that's you know, that's you know, that's um, Watergate and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? But um, in the sense that. <laughs> Oh no! Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. Um, so you're suggesting, really, that I mean, I, I sort of kind of agree, and I'm not. I kind of. You're saying that really that the people who undertook the review and that the kind of that group around, sloshing around that kind of community, and I'm, that's fair enough. You know, maybe they did review, and but the government have not put enough money in to make any sort of effective change. And the fact that there's a, going to be a well, they put uh, money in 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 some things, haven't they? Put a lot yeah, of money in, in things like frontline. Interestingly yeah, enough, but, but that's not the um, review, is it? That's that's just the frontline is frontline, and the people who are behind all of that. It's kind of this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Of well, the, one of the main responses to the review was, "Don't worry, because what we will do is we will have better trained social workers." Um, and yeah. where will we get that? Oh, we'll get that by um, uh, oh, there's a front line. Oh, and and, and, and actually, we can, we can do we can do early <laughs> early years career. Yeah, exactly. You know, early career framework. Oh, who can do that? Oh, 
frontline. Oh, we need continuing professional development. Who's going to do that? Oh, frontline. You know, there's yeah. this, this whole kind of, uh, this whole kind of what works, this whole kind of new reforms, um, um, all of this stuff, we've seen where it's come from. We see where it's going. We see those networks of power that Joe Hanley talks about. And I know that people may say, oh, you know, this is conspiracy theory or whatever. And I'm not suggesting for one second that people are nefarious, that people are doing this or whatever. But we need to stop and see actually who's benefiting and what the yeah. real benefits are. And we have to be evidence-informed in the decisions that we make. We just need to stop. Yeah, but my feeling is, and I, I totally get that, and I'm, yeah, I don't not believe that. Maybe it's me being mildly optimistic. I just don't believe there's a nefarious yeah. plot. Um, but what I no, am I don't think in, there is either. Yeah, and you're not saying that, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I should stop using the word nefarious. Um, <laughs> a plot. I don't even. I um, don't even know what it means. So I'm sure exactly. other people will be googling it. Going, what the hell? It's a character <laughs> out of um, the Minions film. Um, what What I'm interested in is that actually we're at How a point can now. You mix the Minions exactly. film in with what we're discussing seriously. because this is podcast it's... gold. Yeah, and um, to get to get to get even more political, it's used to describe Jewish people quite a lot. But there you go. Oh. That's, but I'm sure we can talk about anti-Semitism. Oh, hang on, you've just you've dragged me into being an anti-Semite. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'll edit the shit out of this podcast. Oh my goodness! How did you lose your registration? Um, so, but my point oh, is that we're gosh. 18 months, maybe yeah, about 18 months out from a general election. Yeah. Is now not the time that rather than fighting the government because it's the fair chance that we're going to see a change of, of um, government. Is yeah. now not the time to build bridges with the potential incoming and to lobby them to see, because obviously as, as a Labour government or a Lib Dem, Labour Alliance coalition arrangement, is there the potential to actually get something in their manifesto to say, yeah. so that that's, that's the axe to grind because actually we right. know that this government are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. No matter how much. But, but they're not listening to us. You know, we're, we're disgruntled academics. We're disgruntled practitioners or whatever. I mean, that, that was a statement that was made, you know? So oh, why yeah, would they listen to, to us? Court. No, well, why, you know, why, why would they listen to us? Yeah. So yes, absolutely. And actually, you know, throughout the process, I kept on saying to them, if you want to know about kinship care, I've written a whole literature review. It's placed in it's, it. It describes beautifully because you know, I wrote it. It describes beautifully <laughs> these um, the whole history of kinship care. So it's there for you. You know, it's summed up for you. You don't have to. Yeah. And also, if you want to listen to uh, hear about what children are saying about it, did they read it? I don't think so. From looking at the review, I don't see it in there. I didn't see it in the in the the appendix of evidence or anything like that. So I know that different people in this book have tried to build those connections, but we haven't been allowed to. So all we're kind of saying is, look, let us in. Okay, you may not dis yeah. you may not agree with us, and actually, we might not even be right. You know, there is a very strong possibility that. You know, we're not right about everything. More than a strong possibility, a probability well, that we're not right about everything. But we need to be part of the conversation. Yeah, that's the and nature that's of academia, and that's what happens when you work together as well, isn't it? Collaborative yeah. working makes you kind of work out what you might be right and wrong on, to be able yeah. to come up with solutions to social yeah. issues. 
challenge yeah. each other you yeah. know challenge each other and then you can reach a compromise and without lasting without compromise lasting change can't happen i mean that's the nature of of making effective long-lasting change that's what we do in our work every single day and that's what yeah that's what that's what should be happening here but i'm sort of interested then in because in some ways where you're shaking your fist at the man and the man is not listening um yeah. and you are it's very easy to characterize you as disgruntled academics because it's, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a lazy slur that sort of most people will go oh you know, experts well up your ass um so that's it so that's the, go thing again isn't it interesting well yeah and it's, it comes out of the there brexit thing it's it's the idea mm -hmm. of oh we don't trust the experts and that's populism but actually so how are you going to then affect change through the incoming of the potential people will be writing or thinking about manifestos now and the review we've had came out of a manifesto how do you how what are you doing then to reframe you from disgruntled academics into not progressive because that's a slur as well probably um <laughs> into even the word anything you put in front of just I'm, in my head i'm trying to put words in front of the word academics and all of it sounds like a, a slight on you um progressive <laughs> academics does that work or um i don't um, i still don't quite class myself as an academic but carry on well, look, you're a doctor. You just own it. Yeah. Um, so, but is there off the back of this book? Is there a collective or a group of people who are set, who can apply pressure to the to whoever's writing a manifesto to say we want a reconsideration of the review, or a, or we want an a, an actual review that is a once in a lifetime review, as opposed to what this could be easily characterised as a convenient review i think that's the beauty of this book it's actually it's you know it's 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 arming us as people that have an interest in child welfare uh whether you are uh, a social worker um uh some other child welfare profession professional um you know foster carers doctors kinship carers all of these all yeah. of these people very important people and it's about providing knowledge to people so that we can actually start coming together and dissent, 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 you know, disrupt, 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 so that we can come together and just, you know, even small utterances when we're in a meeting with different people saying, oh, just hang on, are we presuming that? Or do we have the evidence to, to, to say that that is right? So, uh, is this quite correct? Can we look at things in a different way? So even the small utterances that we do every day, but also we can come to together as a collective force, as we try to do in terms of the um, uh, Care, uh, Care Review Watch Alliance, uh, as Basla tried to do as well when I was working for Basla and responding to the review. So there are different channels that we can do, but what we want to do with this book is just kind of show people, arm people with the, the, the right knowledge so that they can start just kind of changing things in small ways, or if they want, in kind of larger ways. But we we need to be we need to be informed about kind of what's happening, the direction that we're traveling, and then we need to reflect on whether we think we value and we think that that's the right path to take. Yeah. Are you optimistic for the future? I'm always optimistic. I mean, I, I, of course I am. Of, of course I am. I, I, I think um, 
the future is tough. The future will always be tough. Everything will be, always be a challenge. Um, I think, uh, you know, things will be better with the new government. Um, I'm not sure how much m- more better, bruh, more better it will be. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think it will be, I, you know, I think I think things will be better. Um, I think the what might happen with uh, the new new Labour is that actually there might be this double double shuffle again, um, and that might be problematic. But you know, I think if we're going in the right direction, and if we continue to do research, if we t- continue to be ensure that we're evidence informed in our practice, um, and you know. We can we can come together and, and actually things will progress. Of course they will, but we just we're at a stage now, aren't we, where where everything gets polarized because of social media, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and we see that, and and people fall into camps very quickly. Um, and that was another thing about you know what's happening at the moment is that we, and what happened with the review very quickly there became these kind of two different kind of camp. There was a split within you know the care experience community. Of yeah. people that were for and people that were against. That's horrific. That's yeah, absolutely, absolutely horrific that 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 polarization should happen. It's not okay. And you know, it's a divide and conquer kind of type scenario. Or it was, yeah. you know, care experience against uh, against you know uh, the social work, um, you know, the social work, uh, um, you know, battered social work workforce. Um, you know, and they're all fighting, saying, no, this is right, this is right. And again, it, you know, the use of, and John talks about this beautifully as well, in terms of, you know, wheeling out um, particular people with care experience to help represent uh, the huge diversity of care experience. Um, but they're kind of wheeled out to say the right things at the right time and kind of promote the right narrative. And 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 I'm not blaming people for that. But it's just, it's, we need to, we need to be diverse. We need to, you know, I will say this again and again, because this is what I'm all about. We need to be listening to the voices of people that are working within the system, but more importantly, the families. And that's our starting point. Not these big ideas that I might have. Other academics, not that I'm academic, um, that other <laughs> academics might have, um, or uh, policymakers. Actually, our starting point: the experiences, understandings of the people, the families, children, carers, um, parents, all of those people. That's what's important. That's our starting point, not our big ideas or small ideas or persuasions. And we need to get better at it. We, st- we need to stop just, as I say, kind of selecting who we want to listen to, whether they be care experienced or not. Organism, it's not okay. Well, yeah, and I think that uh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because having sort of, and I suppose, Scott, you, you, like you and I, we've been a bit around government, the DFE, and a lot of good people there. So, you know, there's a lot. I don't think I've ever yeah, met any yeah. of the the civil servants who I wouldn't have uh, don't have utmost respect for. I've never met anyone who's um, who's obstructive or or fixed in their thinking. Really open-minded individuals, but ultimately they're led by politicians, mm-hmm. um, and there's got to be political will. But there are these unique positions, a bit like um, with like the chief social worker, like. 
people who get commissioned to like Martin Neri, I guess, someone like that, mm. who are people who are, they're sort of chosen to fit, like, you know, like Krish Kandaya, who's a political appointee. Mm. Um, and they, they're going to forward the government's agenda, really. They're not led by civil servants. They're led by political, they're political masters. Ooh, that's a phrase. Um, mm. masters. Now he's talking about nefarious... <laughs> well, that's how it works, isn't it? I know that you know when you think about the the like exo- I suppose we know about the adoptions are. We know that the adoptions are met with the minister regularly, and Martin Neri um, did a lot of good. I think you know it has to be acknowledged, mm. but was also quite a polarizing figure. Um, mm. But he was a political appointee, so he, he you know he was the that, that's his role. And you, similarly. When you've got people like the chief social worker, it's a it's a political appointee. They're not going to choose someone who's going to criticise them. So, do you think Josh McAllister was a political appointee? That I is think. An interesting question. Well, I, I mean, I don't know now, so I've got no the word on the street. Oh, right? don't, I, I, uh, I, there's a splinters up your butthole. Yeah. Again, no, right. So, I think that he was a, he was the right person for the job. For what they wanted to achieve, he was the right person for that. So is that a political okay. appointee? So it wasn't that they cast their net and said they I think they had a very clear idea about where they wanted to go in terms of scope, in terms of length of time that that review had they had to do the review. Um he had a track record that they liked through frontline. And so they thought they probably thought well, he's the right fit for it. Uh, what mm. is he is he a you know clearly an intelligent mm-hmm. capable able individual? Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't, you know, you could, you could, there'll be hundreds of people like that of, a, of similar quality and knowledge and insight, but he mm-hmm. was the right person for the job. He's got a track record through Frontline, which was a DFE funded program. Yeah. yeah. So, I think, I mean, okay, um, board. so I'll give, I'll give a, my, um, my media trained answer, shall I, about, no, 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 no. Give, give your, I've had three glasses of wine and it's uh, Saturday <laughs> night and we're in a pub answer. <laughs> we're not recording this, are we? Are we recording this? I thought oh, we were just having damn. a chat. Just a friend. I wanted no to prove listening. that I could do it. I can actually Go on do then. It. Okay. Go on then. Go on. Okay. Let me, let me, let me try and focus. Um, do you need to okay, so... practice? Do you need to <laughs> scales or something? I don't know. It's, it's, you have to get into that mindset of um, pivoting, isn't it? The oh. Matt Hancock thing. Um, so I'm a celebrity. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, and now I've got Irish Matt Hancock. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think um, I don't think it's fair to actually pick on particular reviews or chairs of yeah. reviews. But I, I think what's really important is that we start when we start doing reviews of things like child welfare or child welfare is that the person that actually fronts it. Uh, is independent first of all that uh, they have kind of a wealth of experience and and knowledge in terms of kind of um large research or reviews um and they make sure that the views of of uh communities are, are kind of uh, are meaningfully placed they're not exploited um and also the chair has you know a wealth of experience and knowledge of social work theory practice policy and I'd ideally say they should be social work trained um, and have direct social work practice experience, or at least be kind of so, some social work academic. I, I guess for me, what will be interesting is looking at 
Professor Ray Jones and that review because I think that he has those experiences. I think he has those key kind of core attributes um, to make yeah. a, a you know a really a really good review. But even a That's judge, fine. you could if you got a retired, well respected family courts judge who's got a, an experience, you can guarantee that independence and level of scrutiny. Yes. And yeah. be advised by someone like a Ray Jones. So you can get you can't there's a there's a there's a whole raft of people who have got potentially the right skill set that would But it needs to be people that know social work practice. If you are talking yeah. about social work practice, it needs to be people that know social work practice practice. And this is this is this is my non-media response. I think it, I I think it's really telling that actually, you know, just McAllister, we always we talk about him being a teacher and you know, why should the teacher be leading a, a review and, and social work and all that? And he's gonna say, Oh, it's not just a social work review. Actually, what's more important, I think, is not that he's a teacher, is that he's got a master's in in politics and social policy. What we have is we have this kind of front man, this very affable, nice handsome oh, he's lovely. man um who is essentially a politician running this review or ran the review that's who we had running the review make no, no mistake uh that might be a stretch is he's not he might have a yeah i don't feel like he's a politician but he's not uncomfortable around politicians <laughs> but he was he was doing i guess what i what i'm trying to say is that he was using um he has knowledge in terms of he's very uh, politically aware, isn't he? Yes. Very politically astute. Definitely. He knows how to wrap things up in a really, really nice package. So what we rather than go for someone with social work theory, knowledge, practice, all of that kind of stuff, we go for someone that has politically astute awareness. So maybe he's not a politician. Maybe you're right. OK, but actually one of his key attributes wasn't that he's a teacher it was that he is politically astute he is politically aware he yeah. is able to play the game and hopefully that would be for our advantage but it might not be you know i think it's I, 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 yeah yeah I, well i mean in some ways it's we're getting into the minutiae of the review and in some ways that it's been and gone yeah. Um, and so yeah, I who think else that... who else has done that Al? and that's the thing I, I'm not you know I mean I'm, I'm just throwing in these little bombs now and again but who else has looked at it from that perspective um, and who's been listened to that's that's the thing you know it, it's almost like the it's almost like the COVID thing okay did we deal with it the correct way or has what has happened since influenced how we feel about it so you know as an example the WhatsApp messages and blah 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 <clears throat> There's no WhatsApp messages here, just to be clear. Because anybody right. starts to go, oh, no. where are these WhatsApp messages? I'm well, talking I've about been this. invited. I'm yeah. the show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'm talking about Matt Hancock's, not ours, because you don't, you really don't want to see ours. <clears throat> but what I'm saying is that, you know, it's like nobody is questioning the care of you in in that respect, and going, actually, do you know what? Was it done right? Because actually, all they've done is have gone, oh, right, okay, that's care of care of you done. Tick, okay. So, and how long are we on? We're like, is it a year since that was? No, it's not a year, is it? Yeah, it's a year since it was released, isn't it's it? Give or take, it was released. Not far off. And what, Ten months. What have we seen? We've seen nothing. Okay, 
I, I, you know, it's been talked about occasionally. Yes, there was a big thing about it, blah, blah, but that's, there's nothing else. So it needs, to me, it needs this kind of pressure to say, and that, that might be my NGO kind of, you know, social enterprise personally kind of hat being put on there and saying, no, actually, do you know what? You're not doing it because all you're doing is you're just saying, yeah, it's done, but we need to see that change. But this is a this isn't a conversation that's just up. You know, this, as soon as he was appointed, people wrote a you know people wrote a letter, and it was signed by academics saying yeah. and practitioners. And admittedly, I don't this know isn't, who he was, so you know, this but, isn't I'm, the right person worker, for the so. job. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, saying that this isn't the right person for the job, mm. but no one was listening to. Him yeah. Once again, you know, no one thought. Let's just just whoa. And who did the point? I mean, I'd be interested to know who did a point. I mean, I can imagine it would have been the children's minister at the time or whoever, you know, whatever. I would have thought education, not children. No one knows. Yeah, Um, exactly. Nobody knows. But I mean, we're we're a long way off your book. Um, Sorry. It's not his book, it's a paragraph. His book is out in 2024. Come on. Excellent. With a program, man. Give us the full he name. He clearly wants to come back. That he's told us about his book that's out twenty twenty four, and you ain't getting back on without a copy. Um, <laughs> two copies, thank you. Two copies. Um, tell us the full title of the book that uh, your your chapter is in and edited by Christian and Robin. So it's called the Future of Children's Care. I think I said this. Yeah, but we need you to say it again just for so that we can say. Have you not job. done your media <laughs> no, training? Honestly. What yeah. were you doing to me? I just proved to you that I did my media training and, and you didn't praise me. So, yeah. Oh my God, needy. Right, oh, yes. After every sentence, you're meant to say, as I wrote in my chapter. As I wrote in my chapter. That's what you no, need to be doing. As I wrote in my book. No, this is as I wrote in the chapter. As I said, okay. So it's called... <laughs> It's called The Future of Children's Care, Critical Perspectives of Children's Services Reform, and it's there to help mobilise, uh, encapsulate, and and descend, 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 and, and really, um, I don't know. It's, it's there, it's, it's, it, honestly, I can't say how much of a great read it is. It's just, it really opens your mind and kind of lets you reflect, and, and you may disagree with me you may disagree with lots of people and that's absolutely fine that's not the purpose of the book the purpose of the book is that we should be reflecting we should be reflecting about what this means in terms of future directions of children's care and what it means in terms of actually where we are now um it's just a real life eye-opener. i think it's i think it's going to be one of those books that... well excellent i'm really looking forward to reading it actually and um i will um, I think I know where Christian lives, so I'll go and doorstep him. But that ends usually very badly for social workers who doorstep him. Um, and that's a tale for him to tell. Um, and, and Baz was um, expenses as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Baz was <laughs> fine. Um, so, yes. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, it's been a pleasure. A, well, yes. Uh, although I haven't really talked about my chapter, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> that's been an absolute pleasure. We've had so much fun and we've unpicked all kinds of things. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Look after yourself. And uh, we look forward to reading the book and your, well, your book next year as well. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, Bye-bye. Excellent. And now I'm a friend of the show, I can be invited back. Is that correct? Well, you invited oh, yourself silence. on this time. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you rang me up and said, can I come on and talk about 
this. <laughs> All right then. Okay, yeah. bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>